Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us on one of the radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, CREshow.com. Well, today we have an exciting show for you. We're going to talk about retail, a retail market update and forecast for 2017. You know, retail may has been a little bit of a bumpy ride depending on the type of property and assets. We've seen some uh, a bunch of store closures. Uh, we've seen good performance. We've seen bad performance. Well, and then we have some changes potentially in the economy moving forward. So we'll talk to some ex- experts, get an idea of what to expect. Please welcome my first guest, Barbara Denham. She's senior economist with Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. So, Barbara, talk to us about how last year finalized. What, what did you see for performance of retail properties around the U.S.? Well, we definitely saw some things that uh, raised a little bit of caution. Um, a number of metros posted rent declines in the fourth quarter, 15 to be exact, 15 out of 80 that we track, and 25 metros uh, increased vacancy rates. So I think we're starting to see a clear correction in the retail property market. Um, 30 prop- 30 metros showed a increase in vacancy over 2015. And this is neighborhood and community center uh, shopping centers. In the malls and the power centers, we're seeing similar statistics, increase in vacancy rates and flat rents for the uh, year end. So give us some examples to get an idea. So how much did vacancy increase? Uh, well, the vacancy rate only nationally only increased 2%, or I'm sorry, 0.2%. But for example, um, uh, of the metros that it's basically an average of metros that did well, metros like San Diego, Tucson, Baltimore, and some of the Florida and uh, Texas markets, and those that didn't do very well, like uh, Little Rock and some of the smaller markets across the U.S., Oklahoma City, Greensboro, Sacramento, those things. So, so it's really an average. There's not a real glacial movement in the retail property market. People think there's this um, major change, and things just don't move that way. They're, they move very, very gradually. In fact, we track store openings and store closures by property, and we are seeing almost as many store openings in many of these shopping centers as we are cl- store closures. And most of the stores that are opening are interesting food stores and restaurants. You know, and that's good news, uh, especially because what we hear in the in the general news is just the closings, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there is good news that right. that isn't getting reported. Right. So what about uh, rental rates? What do you see overall in the U.S. for 2016? What happened? Well, the rent rates in general went up by about 0.4%. So that's not bad. That's a quarterly increase rate, uh, and the annual rate was about 1%. So, again, not major movements, uh, definitely a deceleration from past years, but it's not negative. Again, it's an overall national average, so many markets are still doing fine. Um, it's the ones that are lagging that are pulling the average down, but they're only pulling it down by 0.1%, 0.4%, nothing seriously um, uh, raising concern. Uh, definitely a correction, but nothing... Um, again, nothing so so eye-opening that you would expect that the media is um, reporting. In fact, right. I, we also track employment growth. And what we're seeing is even though a number of metros are reporting uh, retail employment declines, there's a lot of restaurant growth in many of these metros. So uh, I think about um, eight 
measures show employment declines from last year, but that's not many. And even those declines are less than 1%. Right, and they will impact retail and so will housing. So uh, yes. we're talking with Barbara Denham, a senior economist with Reese, about retail real estate. And uh, so what do you expect moving forward, Barbara, for performance in 2017? It seems like uh, there's some potential good news and some headwinds. Yeah, there are, there's both good and bad. Um, of course, the new administration, uh, there's, all the uncertainty has come from the new administration and what impact uh, it will have on, say, trade wars and um, inflation. A lot of people expect him to follow through on the infrastructure investment, and that will raise uh, economic activity, jobs, but it will also raise inflation and debt levels. So that will have both a positive and negative impact on retail. If there is some kind of a trade war, we're going to see it will benefit retailers to some extent because e-commerce channels might be affected. However, it will probably mean higher prices, and that will dip into purchasing power for consumers. Okay. And what does that mean on the, on the re- real estate level for retail properties as far as uh, rates and occupancy rates moving forward in 17? Um, well, I think a lot of, right now, a lot of retail property markets, developers and landlords are very fearful of the future just because of the e-commerce stories and the store closures. So I don't see anything improving in 2017. Um, I mean, some metros, again, are still doing fine. As long as job growth is positive in these metros, and it is, the retail market should hold its own. In other words, it won't see major declines. It might see, again, a 0.2% decline in asking rent and an 0.3% increase in vacancy rate. We're definitely seeing, you know, all the clear signs of a correction in a number of metros, but it's not a glacial movement. It's just a very, very subtle movement. So what we've seen in the fourth quarter is what we're expecting to see in 2017, which is, again, about 20 out of 80 metros probably posting vacancy rate increases and rent declines, but the majority, three quarters of which, will probably see occupancy growth and very, very small rent growth rates. Okay. And are there a property type or sector inside of retail uh, that might perform better uh, in 2017? Well, believe it or not, the Neighborhood and Community Shopping Center, which is the nuts and bolts of what we report on, are doing well, because those are the kind of necessary um, retail formats where, you know, the hardware stores and the delis and the pizza places and Chinese restaurants, those are doing well. The power centers are the ones that raise concern. They have the Walmarts, the Kmarts, um, the Dick's Sporting Goods, or the um, Sports Authority, whereas in the malls especially are... Um, raising a lot of concern, because if you have major store closures in an anchor, it just casts a dark cloud over the whole um, property itself, so you might have less foot traffic. Right. Uh, so in that order, that's, that's how we're seeing things. Right. What about cap rates for 2016? What were some sample cap rates, and, and how did they move? Well, you know, cap rates are driven by the transactions that close. So when you see investors buying the best properties, they're not necessarily going to see a increase in cap rates. Um, that being said, we did see a slight tick up at the end of 2016, very, very slight in- increase in cap rates, which means that the risk premia attached to retail purchase um, is a little higher. Um, so there's, the transaction volume is much lower than it was a year ago. 
So you're not seeing a lot of trade activity. So again, that will affect the volatility and the actual cap rate because you're probably seeing better properties traded. But a lot is driven also by the interest rates. And the 10-year bond rate jumped right after the election. And that will affect cap rates both in a positive and negative way in that the risk premium has gone up but then you have fewer investors that would buy uh, a retail property because you know they'll get a better rate in the treasury market. And then, of course, the 10-year rate has declined in the last month or so. So it's just a lot of volatility going forward. That volatility is probably here to stay for the 2017 period. But where cap rates go, probably up a little bit more, um, but not, not major, major jumps, unless the inflation rate goes up considerably. Right, and we're short on the break, but uh, if cap rates rise a little bit in retail, is that mainly from an increase in interest rates, or is it also some of the volatility in the in the bricks and mortar retail? Well, it's a little bit of both, um, and I think it is a, just an, uh, a risk premium issue. So buyers will be lowering their um, their purchase price because they will demand a higher uh, risk premium, which means the cap rate will go up. You know, and interest rates probably will reflect both the risk premia and um, the lower purchasing price because it means the borrowing costs have gone up. That's great. Well, Barbara, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being with us and uh, sharing your insight. My pleasure, Michael. If you'd like more information from Barbara, visit reese.com. That's R-E-I-S.com. Well, we're going to have some more on retail and retail real estate, including a look at the REITs. Uh, You know, that's a great way to invest in retail properties, get the diversity of commercial real estate, uh, but also have liquidity. So we'll get some experts in and talk about that and what to expect moving forward. Be sure you connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You can find them all at our website, CREshow.com. Stay tuned. We'll have more on retail. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Commercial real estate owners defer thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of tax dollars through cost segregation. I recommend Ernst & Morris. Call 1-800-COST-SEG or visit costseg.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking retail and retail real estate. Please welcome my next guest, Stephen Marks. Stephen Marks is Managing Director with Fitch Ratings. He's joining us on the phone today. Stephen, thanks for being with us. Michael, thank you very much for having me. Well, Stephen, I know you watch the REITs very carefully, and REITs are kind of interesting for people watching the show because in the public REITs, you have some liquidity. You go in and out of these REITs. So how did uh, retail REITs perform uh, last year? During the for the first nine months of this year, in general, uh, REITs, the retail REITs did did pretty well, pretty much in line with our expectations. And and it is important to to break it down by asset class because there are, there are so many retail uh, retail formats. So uh, probably sort of biggest to the smallest, uh, the, the mall REITs, um, and even those you have to bifurcate between the, the kind of the class A and the class Bs. But in general, the the mall REITs did pretty well. Um, on average, their same store. NOI growth was in the, in the low single digits. Occupancies dipped a little bit for some of the B-malls, but we expect them to come back uh, into 017. When you get into the, the strips and the big boxes, again, kind of a similar story. Uh, low single digit growth. 
Um, and then when you're talking about the freestanding triple net, uh, you know, pad type, pad type assets, those generally run at you know one to two percent growth, as, as most of those have embedded lease bumps. And so, in general, you know, a, a pretty solid year for retail. I, I think the, the the biggest surprise was was um, that we didn't see that many uh, tenant bankruptcies. Although, having said that, there's definitely some, uh, perhaps some uh, thunderclouds uh, that we see in the future into 017. Right, and let's talk about that. Of course, we've all heard about some of the, the closures that some of these big boxes are, are having. So, which types of REITs might that impact, and what do you expect? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, because in general, it should impact uh, the, the malls primarily, because that's where the Sears, the JCPenney's, the Macy's, and even to a lesser extent, but still pretty important, are, are some of the, the major inline tenants. I mean, you read the headlines and you see what some of these companies are doing. Gap closing a lot of stores. Um, Aeropostale, you know, their, their issues. Um, the Limited uh, just did a straight liquidation. Uh, they announced a, a straight liquidation a couple of weeks ago as opposed to some sort of reorganization. And so uh, so within the mall space, we see that the, that it, the, the A malls that are well-located have good sales per square foot generally, uh, should be fine um, because ultimately location trumps anything else when you're talking about real estate. Um, we think that the B malls, where perhaps sales per square foot is not as productive, you're in perhaps secondary or tertiary markets, it's incrementally harder to find that next tenant willing to, to enter the space, particularly if it's, a, if it's a big anchor. So we think that, that while there are a lot of cross currents with some of these uh, tenant bankruptcies and tenants exiting their spaces, it's going to impact the B malls primarily. Um, in our view. Okay, we're talking with Stephen Marks, he's Managing Director with Fitch Ratings about retail and retail real estate and, and REITs. So, Stephen, what are some other factors that could impact retail and retail REITs moving forward? Certainly, it's, uh, and and really just touching upon the, the topic we were just mentioning, that the, the tenant bankruptcies and the pressures a lot of these companies are facing, ultimately in many ways is driven by competition and specifically e-commerce. And uh, the e-commerce growth is, is not slowing down by any stretch. Uh, on the margin, it does impact uh, the, the B-mall the B-mall properties, uh, disproportionate to the A-mall properties. And, and so we see that the e-commerce trend always going to be a, a negative factor impacting the bricks-and-mortar real estate space that's going to result in tenant bankruptcies or tenants looking to reduce their rents or, or really any, any type of, type of uh, distress that we've been seeing really across the spectrum for that are, are things that Things that the, the e-commerce trend um, is going to impact, and 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 right now is right around the time where you, where you begin to see it because here we are in January, uh, the holiday season's over, tenants either made it or they didn't, and and the limited is a good example of a tenant that just didn't didn't quite make it, couldn't quite couldn't quite adapt to survive in this new environment, and so uh, e-commerce is probably the biggest risk. The, the the second thing, and it's more of a secondary uh, concept, but it's something that we do track pretty closely. Is looking at what is the depth of financeability, and in particular in the CMBS space, and then ultimately in the in the straight insurance company mortgage market for the financeability of some of these assets. And if it's a, if it's an A mall, well located, strong tenants, strong rent per square foot, that asset can be financed fairly fairly consistently uh, in the mortgage market. What we're seeing in the B mall space, though, is that it's much dif- much more difficult if sales per square foot or below, say, 350 or $400 a square foot, the insurance companies, those lenders, are going to either not touch it or will price a mortgage accordingly to account for the risk. And so when we think about credit for REITs, we're, we're focused on 
contingent liquidity, i.e., can you get a mortgage on an asset? Can you use that capital to, to deploy in other parts of your business? And for AMOs, they've got it. For BMOs, it's it's really an open item, and it's something that's going to evolve, and and um, it's something that we are watching closely. And, you know, not just Row 17, but for the next few years as well. Yeah, that's a very good point, and and we're already seeing it in some of the the properties that we're selling here uh, in the southeast. So, Stephen, what about the impact? of potential reduced corporate tax rates and personal tax rates? Might uh, there be uh, more job growth, uh, more consumers uh, spending money, and therefore an impact on retail and and some of the retail REITs? It's a good question. I mean, certainly to the extent that that, um, that the consumer has has more more to spend, uh, they are likely to, to save some of it and spend some of it. And so so reductions in individual tax rates probably will result in increased consumer spending. Uh, changes in the corporate tax rate, that's a little bit of, a, of, a, of an unknown in terms of how that may trickle down ultimately to the consumer. But, but perhaps as a, as a tangent to that, um, you know, because I'm a, I'm a REIT guy and REITs, REITs do have a certain tax advantage and that they don't have to pay corporate taxes, to the extent that the, that the overall corporate tax rate does, does go down, it, it does take away a little bit of the the tax-advantaged elements of REITs, particularly if you're, a, if you're an investor um, and overall corporate tax rates are going down, well, now you're comparing a REIT that pays zero corporate tax to perhaps a corporate that's paying a much lower tax rate. And does that then make the REIT wrapper or the REIT structure a little bit less appealing to you as an individual investor when you're looking at the space? Something, yeah. that, we're, we're, something that we're just we're, we're monitoring and, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, that's interesting. Was there anything else about a new Trump presidency that might impact uh, retail real estate? Probably not in in the near term. I, I think there there are so many still so many uncertainties around around ultimately what he is proposing, and then finally what ultimately gets implemented, and then how the market generally reacts to it. That it, it, it's challenging to to really predict how how um, you know his policies may may go into effect. Mm-hmm. Other than you know the aforementioned tax, um, individual tax rates, I think that one of all of them will probably have, if it does get implemented, probably have the the, the strongest positive effect on on retail demand. Any closing tips for our listeners and viewers related to retail or retail REITs? It's it's a tricky world out there uh, it, it, because of because of e-commerce. It's creating this this um, this almost exogenous effect of something that you really probably couldn't predict 10 or 15 years ago, but now here it is, and, and much like as we as humans uh, or as creatures roaming the earth, uh, those who can adapt will survive, and those who cannot uh, won't. And so it's interesting to see how, how the tenants are adapting with, with omni-channel strategies, with, um, with in many ways uh, they like the fact that, that uh, perhaps the consumer doesn't like a given product. They will return that product in a physical store, and that actually creates a multiplier effect on sales. If someone actually comes in and and uh, and returns something in a store, they actually leave the store having bought more than what they came in with. Right. So, so, so things, things like omni-channel and how companies are integrating their their online and retail uh, strategies, those who are on the cutting edge of that are, are going to win, um, and those ultimately who have a, a defensible moat and a defensible strategy around. How they can de- how they can kind of defend themselves against e-commerce um, will adapt, and and those who who can't won't. Good point. Got to pay attention to these tenants and how they operate. Stephen Marks, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Michael.
Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate right after this short break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking retail, retail real estate. We're looking at 2017 and what we might see. Please welcome my next guest. It's Leah Overby. She's Director of Structured Finance Research at Morningstar Credit Ratings. Leah, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show, Michael. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, I saw an article that you had written about a lot of these store closures, these big box stores closures. Uh, if you will, recap a little bit of, of what you're seeing on announced closures today. Well, we are just finishing up with uh, holiday season. And uh, as expected, we are starting to see some of the retailers announce store closures. I think the ones that have hit the most press news is the Macy's announcement of 100 store closures. Uh, as well as the Sears announcement, uh, with another 42 added to their pipeline of store closures. Yeah, and what does this mean for some of these major malls to to have these kind of uh, closures, and then also uh, some of the REITs that own them? Uh, this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, the timing for our call is is particularly relevant, uh, as within the CMBS universe, we just had our first large loan with uh, take a significant loss within uh, post-crisis issuance. So just this past week, we got news of the Hudson Valley Mall resolution, uh, which is in upstate New York. Uh, it took a loss of more than 85% after it lost its Macy's and its Sears. So one of the things that we're seeing is that once these anchor tenants leave, the malls tend to deteriorate very, very, very quickly. Um, it's certainly a case of haves and have-nots because some of the uh, more well-capitalized REITs do a, a nice job of retenanting the space and pulling in new anchors or new concepts, while some of the, the own, mall owners who may not have as deep of pockets really, really struggle when some of these anchors leave. Yeah, and that makes sense. So what are you seeing on some of the retenanting by some of these uh, REITs? It's a little bit all over the place, um, especially in more high-end malls. We see a lot of entertainment concepts coming in, and anything from bowling alleys to arcades back to the 1980s, uh, also children's play areas, new restaurant concepts. Uh, and then also there's a handful of uh, kind of newer-to-come-to-market retailers which will take a sizable portion of the space. For instance, H&M or Zara's Forever 21 has done a decent amount of large box uh, occupations. Uh, so that, that's more or less what we're seeing. 
Right, yeah, and a lot of those you mentioned in the beginning are kind of based on experience, and that's uh, really helping uh, the shopping uh, malls and, and shopping centers today to, to get that experience there. And you mentioned CMBS, so this has got to have some, uh, some impact on CMBS uh, market to have all these closures. What do you see? Um, again, it's kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Within the CMBS universe, there are certainly deals out there which have exposure to some of the, the weaker malls across the country. I guess mid-last year, the CMBS investor community really, really pulled back from investing in these deals in particular because of concerns of outsized losses. You know, other deals without the exposure to the, to the, the Class B malls are doing okay. So what do you see for upcoming uh, maturities in CMBS? And of that, how much that might have some trouble? Well, it's, um, we've talked for years about this wall of maturities. Uh, most CMBS loans tend to be 10 years. So right now in 2017, we are seeing the loans underwritten right before the credit crisis in 2007 come to maturity. Uh, at issuance, we had close to $250 billion done in 2007. However, over the, the, the following 10 years, this pipeline has reduced considerably. So now that we're starting into to 2017 as these loans come due, right now we've only got, call it, $80 billion left to, to work through. Part of this reduction uh, is because some of the weaker loans clearly didn't make it through the crisis. They defaulted then at that time. And at this point, a lot of the stronger loans have taken advantage of low interest rates and refinanced themselves out. So what we're left with, this $80 billion, is very much the uh, moderate to weaker set of loans that, have, that, that need to find refinancing right now. Okay. <clears throat> so of this, uh, the, of the $80 billion, call it $23 billion is retail, and we're expecting about 40% of that is going to refinance without a problem which means uh, considerably not, uh, means 60% is not. Right. So we have, what, roughly $27 billion of, of problems CMBS loans maturing? Yeah, roughly. That, that's about right. Yeah. Well, I guess that uh, some people look at that as possible uh, opportunities out there, and, and some people won't. Um, one of the things I think is impacting financing is uh, the, the Dodd-Frank regulations. And, you know, Trump's in there saying now he's going to reduce regulations, including Dodd-Frank. What do you expect, and what do you expect to, to be the impact? The, uh, it, it's really hard to say the, without a lot more clarity in terms of specifically what aspects of Dodd-Frank might end up getting repealed. Um, the consensus is within the CMBS community is that the the target the the areas that the new administration will target within Dodd Frank are probably more geared towards the Volcker rule rather than the risk retention part of of the legislation. Uh, so the Volcker rule has reduced liquidity uh, in that it makes it more difficult for broker dealers to hold bonds for position. Uh, and this certainly affects both CMBS and, and broader markets overall. The risk retention aspect of Dodd-Frank seems to be a little bit more ingrained and is likely going to be in place uh, for sure through 2017, which is when we have this wall of maturities coming due. Interesting. Okay. Well, what tips would you leave with our viewers and listeners related to uh, retail and maybe upcoming maturities uh, or opportunities or things to watch out for? I guess over the last handful of years, we always project out what's coming up for maturity, what may have problems, what may not. And always I have been pleasantly surprised that the markets have found solutions. 
Uh, so, you know, we talk about the sizable portion of the retail uh, space, which may end up having difficulty refinancing. And I do believe that this is more of an opportunity than a threat. Uh, the amount of capital that has been raised for you know, additional financing, MES financing, or bridge financing is, is sizable. Uh, so I, I do believe that while it's easy to be very doom and gloom about what's going on in the retail sector, especially regarding the wall of maturities, it's also important to remember that with the right capital sources, uh, these do represent good buying opportunities potentially. Yeah, I like the good news slant on that, Leah. <laughs> uh, so, so what do you think about Trump getting in there? If, if he's going to reduce corporate tax rates, if he's going to reduce uh, personal tax rates, does that mean there's more money to spend? Uh, and us Americans, we like to spend, right? So, uh, is that <laughs> going to help that, retail? That is for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult at this point to fully flesh out what the ramifications of all of the policy announcements may be. Uh, so on one hand, um, increased uh, consumer spending may certainly benefit the retail sector. The counter-argument to that, though, is that one of the issues that retailers are having right now is the increase in Internet sales. So even if we do have increased consumer spending, it is not clear that that spending will be done in malls. So that's one of the issues that's out there. Another issue is that some of the policy recommendations that are coming out of the new administration involve uh, tax policy and trade policy. And both of these may have negative implications for uh, you know, the the uh, import costs, for instance, or the way properties are carried on, on books. Uh, so there, there's there's also noise in terms of, of these things that will need to get played out over the next year. Yeah, the, you're right. There's, there's some interesting times ahead of us. Leah, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate, including more projections for 2017. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Ernst & Morris, the leader in cost segregation. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Apto, your entire brokerage in the cloud. And get Valuate, online investment analysis. The best thank you? A referral to our sponsors. You can find them at CREshow.com.